I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, Todd Bowles spent the last, I don't know, four weeks talking about how we just got to coach better and play better. They accomplished both, finally, on Sunday. And I would start with, we got to coach better. And what I mean by that is, you know, after that, sort of debacle against the Houston Texans, which, by the way, turned out not to be as bad as everybody thought they were. They just beat your Cincinnati Bengals on the road. C.J. Stroud lit it up again. Um, They had a meeting. And, of course, you know, they have meetings all the time, right? But what I mean by it is is that Bulls gathered his entire defense in a meeting room to watch film of that awful game against the Texans on last Monday. And What's unusual about that is they generally look at the film, they break it up into position groups, right? Like you have a defensive line uh, meeting room, you have a linebacker's meeting room, you have you know all these meeting rooms over there at uh, at the Bucks facility. But this time, Bowles got the whole defense together, and he went over it like the Zapruder film, right? Play by play by play. And he called out guys in a group, and according to Devin White, it was pretty brutal <laughs> in that, you know, he was trying to show them, hey, you know, if you play this the right way, if you if, if this guy doesn't do this wrong, that he he's trying to put them in positions to make plays and they're just simply not making plays. And, you know, you hear about meetings all the time and, and you usually hear about like players-only meetings and things like that, and that stuff goes on on occasion. But... What Devin said was that, you know, being called out in front of everybody that kind of set a fire under you, and that's what he did. And he said, man, he just kept it real with us. Like, we're an NFL team. It's week nine. We're talking about fundamentals. We should have this down pat. At the end of the day, you've got to do what you got to do to win ball games to get back to the fundamentals. And he's just like, you know, it's not right that we should be at this point, but that's that's where we were. Um, and, yes, the players, you know, were encouraged to speak out, and they did. And I think Bulls heard them. Now, not every two teams you play are alike, right? The Texans are certainly different than the rookie quarterback that the Bucks faced in the against the Titans. Uh, Will Levis is not C.J. Stroud. Will Levis does a lot of good things, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback. And he's certainly got, you know, one big weapon behind him in Derrick Henry. Um, but the Bucks did a nice job of shutting him down early and trying to make Levis beat them. And what I like, Steve, how, how long have we been talking about, hey, where's the man coverage, right? Where are the guys on the outside, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, who didn't play, with Zion McCallum? Why can't they get up in these guys' these receivers' grills? And if you want to play zone over top with the safeties, that's one thing. But, like, you know, try to try to play press man, which is what they do, and maybe that gives your pass rush a, a tick more to get there, or maybe your pass rush does get there and the ball comes out fast and, and you got a chance to make a play on it. Simple as that. That was one of the adjustments and what they got back to doing because that's always been Bowles' sort of his M.O. 
and it worked. And I just, you know, I can't help but think, and you can't go back and replay those games, but I just think they made it too easy for C.J. Stroud a week ago, especially when they had, what, a 20-10 to 10 lead on them. Well, why they didn't do it earlier is still always going to be a puzzle. Baffling, yeah. Not only is it Todd Bowles' M.O. and what he's done most of his career, but the type of cornerbacks you had in Jamal Dean and Carlton Davis, that's what they do best. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. One, th- it's one thing if – if you like to play man to man, but the corners you have are better zone guys. Oh, sure. Okay, I I I, I see adapting it or adjusting it, but that's right. not. And we've seen it over and over. That's not their strengths. So why are you forcing that in there? And and whether Todd Bowles figured this out or the players voiced their opinion or whatever changed it, the defense looked great on Sunday. Yeah. No, they did. I mean, they only allowed six points. Um, just a field goal after the first opening drive. And now I, I will say this. I don't think that Will Levis is quite at the at, mm-hmm. at the peak that C.J. Stroud is. And, and C.J. proved that because they went into Cincinnati and they won there too. But even having said that, like you still made the test easy, right? It was still multiple choice for, for C.J. And, and there was only three three answers. So this one... Um, they committed, they overcommitted, frankly, to the run. And the one thing you get with, you know, with Mike Vrabel is like, you know, they're going to try to get Derrick Henry going because mm-hmm. if you can't stop the big guy, you're in for a long day, period. And so they committed a lot of guys to that and they more or less challenged the Titans to try to take some shots. And they did. Um, but the pressure was too great. And, and once they stopped the run and got him in third and predictable, third and longs, that's when they they brought it. Double A gap blitz, safety blitzes. Um, I thought that you know for a change, the the front four was able to get home uh, on their own. Kalijah Kansi uh, did had a great game. Um, Jack Barrett had a sack. You know there there was a bunch of guys up and down that line that that got pressure. Uh, they hit them, I think, ten times in addition to the the four sacks that they had. So it was a complete you know. Um, team effort in terms of like getting into into Will uh Will's face but and they also they also did a good job not having to hold the ball as long or not you know the ball's coming out faster but they they contain DeAndre Hopkins who I think had just four catches and eight targets or something like that um they really did a nice job with with their outside receivers and and it just seemed so you know what we what we were used to seeing with this defense that I don't know where it's been, and and I'm not going to sit here and go you know I know so much football that I can tell you who was playing the technique right, who was playing it wrong, who was dogging it, and who wasn't, because I think this is a lot of this is on the players, um, and to a man they they've kind of admitted that, but they needed a game like this to re rediscover their identity, you know, and that's the identity this team needs to be defensive led because that's where most of the guys from the Super Bowl team still live. You know, they're still on that side of the ball. And the offense, you know, is is definitely getting better week to week. Um Rashad White is better week to week. They've they've found something, especially with him as a receiver. He had what, like a forty two yard touchdown or something like that on a screen pass um that was just really well executed and, and he did a nice job with it. So they they're starting to get some answers um, and of course they still have 
Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And Evans, goodness gracious, we'll talk about him in a minute, but um, you know, he he wound up with a big day, but then had a huge drop for a touchdown. You won't believe the the reasoning he gave. Um, but Evans could have had could have had an even bigger day. I don't know. It's just when you lose four in a row, it does feel like you're never going to win again. I mean, you haven't won. They had not won a game since October 1st, and that's a long time ago. I mean, I know it's getting close to Christmas because after Halloween, they put those decorations up in Target and such, so we're not that far from the holidays, and they haven't won since October 1st, right? They were still playing baseball back then, um, and so they they needed to break that streak, number one. They needed to beat a team like Tennessee – uh, because there's not that many wins left on the schedule that you can afford to to lose to a team that you should beat. And now they go to San Francisco, who, who just throttled Jacksonville, which I thought was a surprise because Jacksonville had the longest winning streak in the NFL until today or until Sunday. And and it's a house of horrors for them out there. It was with Tom Brady a year ago. Um, they absolutely lit up the Bucks, and it's you know it's a long trip. Uh, they have a better football team, I think, than the Bucks do. But, you know, somewhere along the line, you need to steal one of these games, whether it's San Francisco or Jacksonville. Um, I think there's one other game on there that uh, they won't be favored in as well. That would be what would put you over the hump. Here's the thing, Steve. Have you seen the NFC South? Have you seen what a mess, what an average mess that is right now? Well, let's see. The Panthers lost Thursday night. Mm-hmm. The Saints lost to the Vikings today, and the Falcons lost to the Cardinals today. It's, I mean, they lost to the Cardinals, man. Like, you can't make this up. Like, nobody can get separation. And the Bucks just by winning a game, by snapping a four-game losing streak, they're a half game out of first place again. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they're going to beat San Francisco. If they do and come back 5-5, five and five, they're in tremendous shape because they have the Saints at home. They have two games with Carolina. And then their other game is at Atlanta, which we've seen Atlanta, and I think they're beatable no matter where you play them. And now they've lost T- Taylor Heineke, who has replaced Desmond Ritter, but now Heineke's out with an injury. Ritter is back, and the Falcons had a just a cataclysmic loss to Arizona and Kyler Murray making his return on a last-second field goal. So, Well, if you, this, win, if you win next week, you're tied for the division league. Because oh, yeah. No, you're there. The Falcons there. and Saints are on buys. That's correct. Yeah, you're absolutely tied. It's a, it's a logjam. And that would be a tremendous uh outcome for the Bucks because then, you know, they've got some they've got a few winnable games still coming up at Indianapolis, which, you know, the Colts went across the pond and and, you know, had a slugfest with the Patriots who were losing to everybody Oof. and beat them. That was a bad game. It's a terrible game. It was and it's a terrible game to import to Germany. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah, I don't they, they went. You know, they went from Chiefs Dolphins last week in Germany to I know Colts Patriots this <laughs> week. Wolf. How do you say Wolf in German? Um, <clears throat> probably Wolf. But I I thought that uh, you know the Colts can run the football. Okay, and they've got Mike. They got Pittman. Like they they've got a couple guys on the outside to be concerned about. But they're not overly talented, and, and Gardner Minshew is limited. I mean, he just is. You know, he, he's the quintessential backup quarterback. He's the guy you want if Anthony Richardson goes down, but you don't want him for as many games as, as they got him now for the rest of the season. So that's a, that's a, that's a winnable game. That's a beatable team if you're the Buccaneers. you got to go on the road. you got to go to, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium and all that, but still uh, a winnable game. So, so really, it comes down to – Win or lose against San Francisco, can you then 
you know, take care of business and in the NFC South. If you do, I got a feeling you're going to win this division. I got a feeling you can win it with eight or and or nine wins based on who you beat and when. Um, and sort of what they did with Tom Brady last year, you know, and they were able to take the last game off against Atlanta. And that's why they finished eight and nine instead of nine and eight. But man, it's so funny. Like the, the NFL is, as we talk about, you know, the crisis or carnival league, when you lose, it feels forever. Like you are never going to win another game. And when you win, it suddenly feels like anything is possible. Like anything you could beat, you got, Oh, you can go up and beat San Francisco. By the way, that was a really bad loss for the Jaguars who, you know, had been really playing well and looked like an elite team and something that people were overlooking because of their record and how many games they had won. Uh, and then the 49ers, you know, fly across the country and just, just lit them up. So this will be a tough game. It was tough for Tom Brady going back home. Can't imagine how, how tough it'll be for Baker Mayfield and the guys. Um, it wasn't like, you know, Mayfield didn't play great. I didn't think Mayfield played a great game on Sunday. He was 18-29, 278 yards is good. He was sacked three times. He had a couple of touchdown passes, had a sort of a forced interception, I thought, early in the game to Devin Tompkins. He had guys open underneath, sort of threw it late and got it picked off. Um, And then, of course, uh, the 43-yard screen pass to to White was one touchdown. Could have had more. Uh, How about your boy, Mike Evans? With a couple more drops, he's now Ooh. got six on the season. I think his personal worst was seven in his career. And we're a long way from the end of the season. But he had a good day. He had a really drops. good day. That's the thing. He had two drops. But he he did have six catches, 143 yards, 23.8-yard average. And, of course, um, the longest being a 43-yarder. What you love about Mike is that he's absolutely – you know, capable of having these games. And even when he's a little off or he has a drop, um, you got to keep going to him because he can come right back and make a huge play, which is exactly what, you know, Baker Mayfield went over to the sidelines with him and, you know, pumped him up, showed him some confidence. And then next thing you know, Evans goes back out there. He catches the ball at the five-yard line and drags the defender five yards into the end zone. Um, and that was his, that was his touchdown. What, what I thought was crazy was what Mike Evans explanation for that drop was. It's just, I I give him credit for being honest, but I, I'm trying to process this. So without any prompting, like we didn't say, Hey, why, why did you drop? We're just talking about, you know, he had a couple drops or whatever. And he later acknowledged that this is what he was thinking. He goes, I was wide open and I dropped it. I got a little cocky thinking about what fan I was going to give the ball to. Can't do that. Well, like, wait, what? <laughs> you were what? What fan you're going to give the ball to? Seriously? And he goes, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I got what I deserved. It's so weird to me. Like, you're scoring so many touchdowns that as the ball's coming to you, you're you're kind of like thinking which fan is going to be is going to be handed the ball. I remember one time he handed. Tom Brady's 700th touchdown to somebody. He wasn't thinking very smart that day. Um, but, yeah, so uh, he came back and was able to atone for it. Like I said, he dragged a guy five yards into the end zone with him. But, uh, now, you know, I'm he, guessing he wouldn't have said that had they lost the game today. Probably No, probably not. That <laughs> moment of honesty was was sort of like sort of funny. It was hubris, but it was sort mm-hmm. of funny. Yes. 
and 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 I I don't know that he's not being serious. However, I think there's some truth to it. But um, but listen, Mike Mike has been so great for so long, and and I think he's certainly on a Hall of Fame path and all that. I also think this, and I I don't have anything to to, to prove this with. It's just it's just what I think. Um, you know, it's it's a contract year for him, and he made no secret of that, and he wanted a deal done before the start of the season. He gave him a deadline that Saturday before they went to Minnesota and they, they did nothing. And whether it's here somewhere else, whatever it's an, it's the first time Mike has been in this position because they extended him before his deal was up the last time. In fact, they gave him a five-year contract and that's probably why he's in this situation today. Cause if he had done a three-year contract, he'd be, you know, he would have been a free agent a couple of years ago at age 28. And that would have made for a much more, you know, easier negotiation but because he didn't because he did five years he's sitting here at 30 but I think he I think at times not every time but I think at times he presses a little bit and I haven't seen him drop this many balls since his second year I think in the league um and I want to say one of the coaches it might have been Munkin or somebody gave him a book about you know relaxing and taking the pressure off yourself and stuff like that but it just seems to me at times like that's a lot of drops, you know. He had, you know, I I think his career high was six, or something like that before, uh, or seven, and I know he had four in one game that year, and it just seems like at times he's sort of fighting himself and trying to be perfect and trying to make every play, you know. And 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 I mean, the great thing about Mike is his resiliency and how he's able to bounce back. I mean, he's already. This is incredible. Like the touchdown reception he had was 87th of his career. That ties him with Andre Reed um for number 16 on the all-time list. And he's got 143 receiving yards. He now has 11,162. So, at the rate he's going, he'll finish ahead of Calvin Johnson and mm-hmm. right behind Don Maynard. And what do they have in, in common? Yeah, they're both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. This guy's putting together a Hall of Fame career, and there's nobody that's going to be able to stop him from doing it. Um, you know, this year alone, he's averaging 81.9 yards a game. That's his highest total since 2019, and that was the first year the Bruce Arians came in and they, you know, threw for over 5,000 yards with Jameis Winston. Um, so he's doing his part. The drops, I think, again, he might be pressing at times. To really, you know, just rip that that whole final free agent season and stuff. But um, man, what a player! And you know, Baker was able to overcome the the early interception and the drops, and uh, managed to give him the ball. So good column by John Ramon on the Tampa Bay Times on Tampa dot com about Mike Evans as well. You know what I like too today? What Dave Canales did is mm. that first drive they threw to Godwin and Evans. I loved it. Got him involved early. Got, yes. Got Baker throwing to his big guys early. Yep. Loved it. And I thought that kind of set the tone for the offense for the day. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I think, you know, that shows growth as an offensive coordinator because they definitely, you know, he has struggled with that. We've come, we've seen him come out and, you know, run, run, throw, third down, punt, you know, this sort of thing. But, no, he went right after him and got Evans involved. And they moved Evans to the slot a few times. Mm-hmm. And you can always tell, you know, sort of when he's going to get um, single coverage, and when he does, he runs by people. Like he's absolutely a, a long strider, but he can still run by the best of them, and that's what led to the 
to the the big play over the top. Um, so yeah, still a weapon, still all those things, but kind of plagued by drops a little bit this year. Look, they, they we talked about this. They had to win this game. Like it just the math doesn't work. Plus the Titans are you know they're a work in progress, man. They're out there uh, with Will uh, Levis and, and you know and trying to see what their future look like looks like. And I think he's going to be a good player. Um, but they're just not quite there yet, you know. And if you can, if you can stop Henry and lock down D Hop, you've got a really, really good chance of beating them because they just don't score a lot of points. I mean, they very similar to the Bucks in that respect. So, you know, the six points, I think that's the fewest since the Bucks, what opened the twenty twenty two season uh, at Dallas, and they, I think they won sixteen to three in that one. I can't remember, but. Um, or nineteen to three. I think it was nineteen to three. So anyway, it, it was a it was a nice job and a good a good way to bounce back. Um, if you're the Bucks, there's some injuries. I think Devin White tweaked his foot again. Had come out for a couple of plays and and he was sore after the game. Um, I thought Kalijah Kansi was terrific. He gets better every week. Tackles for loss, penetration, sacks. Um, that sort of thing always happens with him these days. So. You know, we'll see if they can build on that. I mean, this is the thing. They, they've they got to maybe steal one of these games they're not favored in. Uh, but the NFC South is going to do them favors because no one can really take control of this division. You know, they're, they're, none of those teams are good enough to win on a consistent basis. And so I think with all the games, you know, backloaded the way they are, it's, uh, it's probably going to come down to the wire. So we'll have a chance to talk to Todd Bowles a little bit more uh, later this afternoon uh, about the game and looking forward to head to San Francisco. Hey, you know, for the fast, past 14 years, the uh, the skilled pros of May Electric Solar, they've been installing solar electric systems all through Florida. Now, they provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors, They've always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Now, May Electric Solar offers a 30-year, no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means your roof, electrical, and equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar. It's owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. And this policy will transfer to a new homeowner with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. Interesting week of college football, and let's first start by saying happy trails to... Coach Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M, he's been fired. But, you know, something tells me what might take the sting off of anyone's termination, including mine, would be $75 million golden parachute out the door with you. Holy cow. You're going to pay him $75 million not to coach for you? As you said before the podcast. Right. I want to be so bad at something yes. that people pay me millions of dollars not to do it. Yes. I mean, that's the definition of great to me. You're so great that when you are so bad, they will pay you not to coach or work at all. You know what? Just don't work. We'll give you millions. Please, whatever you do, don't come to work. Okay. If you got to twist my arm, 
And I know that's not the way Jimbo thinks. I'm wondering, and listen, I don't know who they're going to hire. There's, you know, I'm sure there's the early uh, pool out there about possible replacements. But I'll say this. The negotiations, if I'm the coach that they're bringing in there, begin at, so, let's, let, me, let me see now. Jimbo had a $90 million buyout, and you obviously think I'm better than him because you're trying to replace him with me. So my price starts at what Jimbo, I'll have what he's eating. You I'll know? start at 100 Yeah, or well, I'll start at 100 because I'm better. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, how are you going to tell this guy no? You know? And I'm, sh- I'm still shocked. They're get- Listen, do I think Jimbo Fisher is going to win a national championship? Remember they gave him that plaque with the year to fill in for winning the national championship when he got the job at Texas A&M? Yeah, is he going to no. keep that plaque? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, maybe he gives it to the next guy. No, I, I don't think he was going to win one. But I also don't think the guy that comes in here is going to win for a while either. So my thing would be, look, if we're going to go 7-5 and five anyway for the next year or two, why are we paying this guy all this money? Let's just let him keep it. I mean, what's the big deal? Let's, you know, let's let Texas go to the SEC. Let's see how we round that out. Um, do they really think they're going to sign somebody or hire somebody that's going to like suddenly go, oh, I'm going to A&M, man. That's where it's at now. I mean, you can make a splash higher, but like I said – if I'm the guy's agent, whoever he is out there, God bless him because we're going to get more than Jimbo got to leave the building. That's just incredible to me. When did they start paying guys that much to, to when they get fired to not coach? It's just insane. Um, but that's the reality. And they just won a game. That's the thing, too. They just beat Mississippi State, um, you know, they, with their back. 51 to 10 or something like that. Yeah, they whooped them. Whooped them good. So did you see some college football over the weekend? I thought uh, – I thought Florida made a nice accounting themselves, but, man, there might be a Heisman Trophy winner at LSU, too. How about that quarterback? Jeez. Oh, he's good. Jalen Daniels? I mean, he kind of fell off the radar because they lost the first game. Yeah, but wow. Can that cat do it all? Run, pass, you name it. He's incredible. Um, what else did I see? Florida State took care of business. Yeah, they did. That was a good game. It was a very good game, yeah. And they're now ten and zero. You actually you have five power five schools at ten and zero. I don't know the this last is gonna, time that's happened. This is going to come. I mean, I know Ohio State and Michigan play each other. By the way, your boy, the Harbaugh's, the Fighting Harbaugh's, could not coach. Didn't get his injunction. His hearing is on Friday of this week, sometime in the afternoon. And I we'll wonder if he'll if, be on a flight at that time to Maryland in case he can I don't, coach. I don't know. He got I mean, suspended he, while he was on a flight to uh, Happy Valley. I know. Did anybody say what he did during the game? Was he in a hotel room? Did he, did he go to the stadium with a cell phone? Like, what would you do? I don't know, but he and the whole team showed up at the Michigan hockey game when they got back on campus Saturday night. So. Nice. Man, those players were emotional. How about his interim head coach? Lost it. Yeah. A couple F-bombs on the way out on national TV. But, uh, so, yeah, I don't, how, I don't first, know First of all, in that there. game, how about Michigan ended the game with 32 straight running plays? Isn't that nuts? 30 Isn't and then crazy? two kneel downs. So Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, they had like one or two passes and there was pass interference, so no, doesn't count as a play. Right. I'll say this, uh, and I don't – did you see that uh, Penn State fire their offensive coordinator? Yeah. Good luck with that. Here's my theory, and I've been saying this. A friend of mine's a Penn State fan, and I met this dude at the Outback Bowl a year ago, and I think my wife might even got a picture with him. I don't know. But, like – my theory is that James Frank James Franklin is the worst big game coach in America. Like this dude can absolutely recruit because he gets players and that must be what they really want at Penn State. But you get him in a big game 
And the game plan, the decision-making is always poor. It just seems like he gets outcoached every time he plays somebody worth their salt. It, I mean, I, his game management was very questionable in that game, but the quarterback was – whether it was Michigan's but, defense or he just had a really bad day. Yeah. I mean, you could tell that they lost trust in the quarterback and then were trying to call plays around him. Yeah, and you can't win that way. No, you, know? you can't. It's just too hard. And and again, I don't you might be right. It might be that they don't trust him and they're trying to play around him, but you're not going to beat Michigan doing that. And so you either get yourself a quarterback or get him a better plan where he can he can be part of the solution. I now mean, he's a freshman quarterback. I understand. So I mean, you know, he'll I think he'll continue to grow. I think he's good. Yeah, but when does James James Franklin Franklin really won a big game? I mean, I guess when he had Saquon and those guys. But well, I, I, the the joke after the game was Sharon Moore now has as many wins against top ten teams as James <laughs> exactly. Franklin does. Exactly. There you go. One. See, <laughs> it's not funny if it's true, right? No one's laughing at uh, at Happy Valley. Or but. one of, one of the Detroit writers. It was a great tweet. Said, uh, "Rest of the Big Ten scrambling to steal Michigan signals. Michigan, no need to steal them here. We're doing run." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you don't need to steal our signals. We're running. Yeah, we'll tell you what we're doing. Here yeah. it comes, you know, right down your throat, man. That was good old physical football. I like that they took that attitude, too. It was just like, mm-hmm. man, we'll line up and just knock you yeah. backwards all day. But but there's five 10-0 teams in the Power Five right now. But Yep. And I asked you this before the, the show. Well, Ohio State's got to play Michigan. Well, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. But play this scenario out. Yeah. Michigan or Ohio State, take your pick, whichever one wins out. Yep. Washington wins out. Yep. Florida State wins out. Okay. All of them are 13-0. and Texas wins out at 12-1. and Yep. And if Bama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game and wins out, they're 12-1. They're 12-1, right? Which yeah. team do you keep out of the tournament? And if, if you keep Alabama out, that means no SEC schools in the college football playoff. Yeah. And and I, and this is what the way I answered it when we were talking about it earlier. I – I think that I keep Alabama out because I don't know in what universe if if both teams had the same record and they both in the SEC. And I'm not saying they played the same schedule, but they're both in the SEC. And you told me that Alabama's one loss was to Texas at home, and we're going to keep at, at home, home. and we're, and we're going to keep Texas out when they have one loss, but they beat Alabama, so everything's the same except head to head. And they actually beat Alabama, and that was their one loss. But we're going to tell them, uh, and I, I understand strength of schedule and all that stuff. I don't think you could do it. And furthermore, the SEC, while a great conference and seems to win the national title every year, Texas is going to be in the SEC a year from now. So, you know, you're just getting them a year early. It's not like, it's not like the conference is is you know not represented here in a sense. Um, just maybe a little early, but. Yeah, I just, man, can you imagine? And it's not like there's bad ball or bad college football in Texas or high school football. People would be screaming forever. I know there's really good football in the SEC in the South and all that, but it's big in Texas too, man. And I can't imagine them saying that, but they might. You you absolutely could be right. You, you know, you just, you get in that meeting room and, and people start talking about strength of schedule and quality wins and before you know it, the team you beat is one that they pick to go ahead of you, which is weird. Well, we'll know how much power ESPN has in that room based on oh, if yeah. that's in that granted, that scenario is le- very unlikely to happen. In college football, we see the upsets, we see the but it could the craziness. It certainly could. But that would be interesting. And South Florida yeah. is close to going to a bowl game. 
Yep. Congratulations. Alex Golish needs one more win. Yep. They're at uh, UTSA on Friday night, and then they'll be home against Charlotte next Saturday. Yeah. They should take one of those, if not both. But uh, Char- Charlotte's a very winnable game, and the San Antonio game's winnable. It's, it's a little tougher. It's on the road. Short week, Friday night. Right. No, man. Knock it out. Qualify now so that you can get even more wins. Goalish is a real deal. Like college football is, you know, more like more than the NFL. NFL, I've always said, coach quarterback. In college football, it's a coaching league, right? It's like the best coaches win, and they make a big difference if you've got one or if you don't. And Goalish is that dude. Like he knows how to coach. Like he's good. Mm-hmm. And and it's only his first year, and he took over one of the worst teams in America. And he went in the transfer portal, and he did what he could. And he's got these guys believing, and they make a freaking bowl game after where they're coming from. Be enormous for the program. We have another month of practice and all of that. So he's a real deal, and you know, he gets a little hype sometimes <laughs> when he talks, but that's okay. Um, he's getting it done, man. It's it's been pretty uh, pretty impressive to be honest with you to see how they played, and you know. It's unfortunate not more people go to the games and all of that, but that'll come if you start winning and keep winning. And mm-hmm. yeah, year one, man, to make a bowl game. Who thought they would do that? How many? Would they win three games in two years? They went four games in the last three seasons under Jeff Scott. Four games. And three in of the those. Last three. three of those were FCS schools. So only one that, FBS win in three years. I mean, that's insane, right? And this year like, they have they, four of those. So they beat Florida yeah. and them as well. But right. So yeah. Give it up for Alex Golish, man. And get some more people in the in the stands to watch these guys play. So interesting week of college football. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So I'm flipping back and forth and I go, oh, the lightning are on. <laughs> and uh, Were they? <laughs> I mean, they really weren't on. They were off. The switch was off. Nikita Kucherov was out. I guess he's been ill. There's like some yeah, that was that was a late scratch. They didn't know that he wasn't going to be available till right before the game. Yeah, unfortunate for the Lightning because man, uh, of course he's the straw that stirs the drink right now. But goodness gracious, that what was that? Like I texted you, I I started watching them and and there was so much zone time. You know, um, was it was Carolina they were playing? I believe right. Yep. Yeah. And and Carolina is a difficult team to play, but man, they were just on it like they were. They were chasing the puck a lot, and and it was bouncing it, off their sticks a lot. It was yeah, it was a, just they looked sloppy. They just mm-hmm. they had no no rhythm at all. The power play wasn't good, and I, I I just I thought you know what, this might not be a great hockey team. Like I, they've got don't get me wrong, they've got stars like big major stars, right? Um, Braden Point and Kucherov, and if they get you know Vasilevsky back and Steven Stamkos, we can go on and on. But some of those guys are past their prime, and you got to have other guys come in to replace so much of what you lost of the Stanley Cup teams. And whether they're too young, just not integrated enough, I mean, it'll get better as the year goes on, presumably. 
I just watched them just thinking, hey, you guys aren't that, they're just not that good. Like, they just, they don't seem to have it, whatever it has been in the past. But then again, that can change um, pretty quickly for John Cooper and his team. So um, I'm not wedded to that take, but it just kind of struck me watching them. I was kind of like, eh, it's not a great hockey team. But again, you take the best player off of any team, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be the same. And, you take the best player, and then you, then Saturday you took the the next best player, Kucherov, the, off the team. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, and then when I mentioned Vasilevsky, who probably is the best player, yeah. right? So, yeah. um, so they got they got a couple hands behind tied behind their skates there. But um, hopefully, he's back in about two weeks. Yeah, I mean, John Cooper and, said and not only just back, you know, not only just back, but like back right like because it is his back like that's the thing that was locking him up and and we don't know how limiting that was a year ago we really don't you know something wasn't completely right but you know with any with any luck not only this surgery you know was a success but he'll actually have his flexibility where it needs to be and um but psychologically that'll be huge for them you know they need to get him back they really do um, kind of a slow, funky start. They're still very much in it where they need to be and all of that. But man, uh, that was a rough one to watch. So I didn't. So I, I went back, back and forth to my football and and uh, and whatnot. But yeah, big win for the Bucks. I mean that that's huge. Uh, all the major college teams in the area took care of business for the most part. And you know we are all also close now to getting into that Thanksgiving realm and then um, you know bowl games coming up selected after that and of course we'll have the you know the national championship picture here before long this would have been a perfect year steve to have 12 teams because you got a lot of teams that have zero or one losses and i think they're all really interesting i'd love to see a tournament this year Mm -hmm. i really would i would have loved to have seen it last year and the year before too but (laughs) well yeah that's true i mean any year okay you you make a good point but um i think they they could you know Go pretty deep of teams with just one loss, and yep. but yeah, if you have the five conference championships at all thirteen and zero and twelve and one, that's going to propose a interesting scenario. It will, yeah, it will. Someone's got it. Someone's going to be left out, man. And it's going to be it's going to be a scream fest, no doubt about it. But I don't know. I again, if it's Texas, Alabama, I just don't know how you tell these guys. Hey, I know you beat them. I know. I know. But you're not better. <laughs> what? Well, but Come could on. they instead keep Washington or Florida State out based on strength of schedule? I think they could keep Florida State out. I mean, possibly Washington, but they beat Oregon, and I think and they'll Oregon's probably have really to beat good. Oregon again in the in the impact. Yeah, if they beat Oregon twice, and Bo Nix is a Heisman candidate, they're, I think Oregon's a good team and a good story. So if you did that twice, along with the rest of the Pac-12, yeah, I mean, I, I love I love the story anyway out there, but. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know how many Pac-12 teams. I don't know how you compare them. You know, that's the thing. Like, it's really hard to compare some of these teams because of their conferences. And Pac-12 is not strong. You know, um, Caleb I got, Williams. They got some really good teams this year. Well, Caleb. Caleb. They Oregon State's good. Caleb Williams. Oregon State. I think. I think country, Utah's but. good. Utah's okay. Yeah, they gave them all they could handle. Right. That that was a hell of a game. Washington. Utah's good and. Their starting quarterbacks not playing this year. That's true. That's true. How good would they have been with them? Right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, and you know, those games are on late at night, and I've seen a bunch of them because I've been on the road. But, um, 
would love to would love to see Michael Penix Jr. get into that into that picture. And who knows? It's going to come down to strength of schedule and things like that. Florida State, first of all, has zero margin for error. And I think that they they could even be taken out by a poor performance, right? Like they could win and maybe still not get in if they like slop around against, say, Florida, right? Or mm-hmm. um, one, you know, something like that happens. So yeah, they need style points because the ACC is not good, right? They and, need Louisville they, to keep winning, so that that's who you. Louisville winning the would help them. Game. Yes, yes, that definitely would help them. So. Interesting week of football, college football. Of course, the Bucks back on track. The sky is not falling. Okay, the the seat is a little less hot for Todd Bowles. It's not not burning him just yet. By this time um, next week, they could be tied for first. It's incredible, man. It, it, listen, let me say this: if they go out to San Francisco and beat the Forty ers who at that point will have lost and four what? and five if they lose four out of five, right? Um and the, and the Bucks would then be five and five. You come home from San Francisco five and five, you'll be tied. I think. Yeah, because the Saints and Falcons are on by because they're off. Yeah, yeah. you'd be tied for first place in the NFC South. For all that's happened this year, for you know blowing some games against Atlanta and of course you know Houston, and we still don't know how good Houston is. It might turns out it might turn out they're really good. That would be remarkable and. These people that, you know, of course, the, the boo birds are circling and the buzzards and they're at, you know, Todd Bowles' doorstep and stuff like that. And I thought John Romano wrote a good column about how much of this game, you know, might have been forgotten, but how much it would have meant down the road to Todd Bowles. And I would say he's still alive. You know, he's very much alive. And this is not a great circumstance or a great football team, but he got them ready to play. And he did it in a most unique way with, you know, Showing them the film as a as a group, calling them out, calling them out individually, going back to the basics, and then doing what we had been calling for, which was, hey, play these these outside guys, you know, with uh, your corners, play play some press man. That's what they do best, and you can play the zone over top of it. And you know what? It worked. They got pressure on the quarterback. Um, they did a nice job. So. Big win for the Bucs. We're no longer talking about a four-game losing streak, which is good. They're out to San Francisco. We'll talk to Todd Bowles today around 12.30 and find out the latest on uh, some of the injuries and things. Of course, Carlton Davis did not play. Um, and there was a couple other players like Devin White got nicked up in that game. Tristan Wirfs, I think. Um, maybe some of those guys might miss practice time heading into San Francisco, but nothing. And also, Baker Mayfield banged his thumb, his right thumb of his throwing hand. And after that, we saw him throw one pop pass, and the rest were all handoffs. But they told us it's fine. So, you know, I'm sure it's fine. Um, but it's going to be something to watch, especially as he gets, you know, further down the road and, and that thing starts to get swore, sore and swollen and, and he can't grip a football. We'll see if that's going to be a problem or not. So don't get too excited, Kyle Trask fans, because Baker has certainly established himself as uh, – you know, as a winning quarterback this year anyway. And and I know they don't have a winning record, but he's played winning football. He really has. And if he continues to do that, whether he gets paid here or someplace else, he's going to have a chance to go somewhere and start, in my opinion. What do I know? I'm just a guy that covers the team. All right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, uh, back out at uh, Todd Bowles again. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.